Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX. Now please enjoy this message. And the, the title of my message is just Stewarding the Presence of Jesus. And so before I get into it, I'm going to read this. Well, I'm going to read the scripture, Matthew 13, 44 through 46. This has been our base scripture throughout the last month. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in, the, in search of, of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is a great scripture, a great, a great representation of what it is to follow Jesus. When you find the kingdom of God, you see that it's worth more than anything that you actually have in your life. And we've been talking about this the last month, about the presence of Jesus. The kingdom of God is the presence of God here on earth with us. And we have access to the presence of God every single day. It's not just on Sundays. It's not just at church. It's not just when on special occasions. We have access to the presence of God every single day. But how do we steward that presence? How do we live a life where we walk in his presence, where, where we're actually thriving and living in the presence of God? And so we're going to talk about that today, but could we bow our heads and close our eyes and let's pray and, and, and let's ask the Lord to be with us. Father, we thank you again for what you've done. Lord, what you're doing. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you, were, you, you, you are with us, God. Father, right now I come against every distraction, Lord. We tear down every wall, God. We tear down every stronghold in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, I pray, God, that you would open up the heavens so that we can hear your voice clearly, God. Father, I pray that nothing would distract us from what you want to say to us as individuals today. We thank you, Lord, that you give us this opportunity to dwell in your presence, God. Lord, that you're not a God that doesn't hear us. You're not a God, Lord, who doesn't, who doesn't spend time with us, Lord, but you meet us right where we're at, God, and you help us to be like you. So, Father, I pray, God, that every word that I speak will not be a word of my own opinion, but, Lord, let it, be, let it be led by your Holy Spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. So we, we as a church, as individuals, we have to come to this place. And, and when I say we, I'm not saying like you. I say we as in we, as in all of us. We, we have to come to this place where, where we learn to value his presence, where we learn the value of who he is and, and what he's doing and what it means to walk with him. And, and see, even what's happening in our church, what's happening among us, you guys, this is very special. This doesn't happen everywhere. The fact that we've not been open for six months yet and we have people that are coming that actually want Jesus, that doesn't happen everywhere. And again, I've, I've said this before, it has nothing to do with my wife and I. It's not because, oh, you know, we're attractive people or, you know, our personalities are so great. It's because of the presence of Jesus. People, we, I don't know about you, but I think we could all kind of come to agreement that we're tired of, of celebrity church. And we're tired of, of just being a part of a church because it's well known. There's nothing wrong with those churches. But it, when it comes to the heart of those attending, that's what I'm talking about. We want Jesus. We want him. We want the Holy Spirit. We want to dwell in his presence. And the truth is this, is that it's happening among us today. And what's happening is very special it doesn't happen everywhere. Don't waste what God is doing in this church. Don't waste what God is doing in your life. Some of you came to our church looking for a fresh start. You came to our church saying, man, I've tried other churches and I, and I really want to get back into church. And, or whatever the circumstances were, we all came starting fresh. 
We all came looking for something different, something new. Some of us came, came saying, man, I just want Jesus. I just want the Holy Spirit. And we walk in the doors and we fill him here. And it's like, man, this is, this is where I belong. This is where I want to be. And so we, we cannot take that for granted. We cannot take what God is doing for granted. We have an opportunity for a brand new season in our lives to begin to walk with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad or how good your life may have looked in the past, even yesterday. When you get in the presence of God, you have an opportunity for a new start. <coughs> you have an opportunity for a new start. So we see... This story in Luke chapter 8, verse 40 through 56, I'm going to do a lot of reading, and I might do a lot of stuttering too, so please bear with me as I get through this. Yes, please. I have coffee, but that doesn't help as much as water. So Luke chapter 8, verse 40 through 56, and, and when you talk about the presence of God, it's like, okay, I, I feel him, but what should I really be looking forward to <coughs> in his presence? <coughs> what should I really be looking forward to? We, we, we see this in Luke 8, 40 through 56. Thank you so much. I might, you know, fall on the floor in a bit. I'm kidding. <clears throat> but that helps. Uh, verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named, named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had, only, he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her, her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? And when all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surrounds you. And are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touch me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And, the, and when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the, in the presence of all the people why she had touched him. And now she had been immediately healed. <coughs> and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While she was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and the mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. <clears throat> and her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged him to tell no one what had happened. See, when we get into the presence of Jesus, and we're going to talk about this story, we should expect that God is going to do something. When, when, we're, when we encounter Jesus, just like these people had, we should expect that something's going to happen in our life, that there's going to be some sort of change, that there's going to be some sort of miracle, that there's going to be some sort of restoration. So I believe that stewarding the presence of God consists of three things. Now, I think there's more to it. But there's three things that I want to talk about today, and that's invitation, expectation, and restoration. So if you're taking notes, you could write those things down. Invitation, expectation, and restoration. See, we, have, we as a church have invited the Holy Spirit to be with us. We as individuals have invited him to walk with us. And when we invite Jesus, we must be prepared to host him. 
We talk about hosting the presence or stewarding the presence. When we, when we invite Jesus into our church, we should be prepared to host him. So what does hosting look like? We find this in, in Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 39. And I skip a couple of verses and jump to verse 44. It says, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind, behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears <coughs> and wiped them with her hair, oh, excuse me, with her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who was touching him, for she is a sinner. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her, with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. <clears throat> you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. So the reason I bring this story is because we see this moment where Jesus is invited to a house, <clears throat> and the host of the house didn't treat Jesus very well. Jesus comes to his house at dinner. He didn't wash his feet. <clears throat> he didn't anoint his head. He did nothing for Jesus. He just brought him to his house. And I think he brought Jesus to make himself look a little bit better. But when we think about Jesus, he comes into our house. And, and, and I don't know how many of you have parties at your house, but parties at the house are very, very fun. But at the same time, they're a little stressful. Right? Because for whatever reason, now I don't understand the logic of it. I do a little bit. But for whatever reason, we want to clean our house, make it look immaculate so that people can come and destroy it. I, I don't personally understand it, but I get it. Right? At the same time, I get it. So, but Jesus, what the kind of friend that he is, and when it, when it comes to hosting Jesus, oftentimes in our lives we think, well, let me clean up my house a little bit before I begin to invite Jesus into my life. Let me clean up the things in my life that need to change first, and, and, and as soon as I clean those things up, then I could, you know what I'm saying, like, 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 wait, let me stop doing these things, then I'll start going to church. Or, or hold on, let me get a little bit better, then I'll, then I'll really commit. But when it comes to Jesus, Jesus is like that friend that comes before the party. Anybody have a friend like that? Thank God for those friends. Their friend that comes when your house is messy, that comes, they see it as is, and you're like, hey, can you help me? <laughs> can you set up some tables? Can you, can you clean that? That table has been in the garage for the last six months. You mind cleaning that up a little bit? Can you bring over some chairs? <laughs> yeah. Nobody, yeah, bring some chairs, bring some silverware, and bring some food, please, right? But Jesus is that friend who comes into our house, and, we, and when we're talking about hosting Jesus, it's not that we have to host him in the sense we have to be, be good enough for him. It's, in, it's, what, it's the way that we host Jesus is very different than the way we host other people. Because when it comes to hosting Jesus, all we really need to do is let him in. All we really need to do is welcome him. All we really need to do is say, Lord, come into my life as is. And then what happens is he walks in and he begins to remove things that should be gone. He begins to clean things that we didn't even know were dirty, right? He gets the white glove and he starts putting the dust and all the, filling the dust in all those places that we haven't cleaned for years. And he's like, hey, this is an issue. These are problems that need to be fixed. But, but when we host Jesus, it's not about looking clean before he comes in. It's about letting him in as we are so that he can clean us so that we can look like we're supposed to look. So we can act like we're supposed to act. 
so that we can treat people like we're supposed to treat people. Right? This is hosting Jesus. I am like this, Lord. This is my, this is who I am. These are the issues that I have. These are the things that I struggle with. But some of us will do this, we'll say, this is who I am, God, and if you can't change me, then oh well. You better, you better, I better get into heaven like this. You better use me like this. And Jesus is like, wait a minute. Are you inviting me to your house to help you? Or are you inviting me for no reason? Are you inviting me because it's religion? Are you inviting me because you feel like it's, it's something everybody's doing or you feel like it's the right thing to do? When we invite Jesus in our home, it's about surrender. Saying, this is who I am, but help me to be who I'm supposed to be. Help me to love people like I'm supposed to love people. We have to come to this place where we're honoring his presence. She, this woman came into this house and she gave Jesus what he deserved. When the man gave him nothing, this woman came in and gave him what he deserved. We honor him by giving him what he deserves. And can I say this, that he deserves our worship. He deserves our worship. It's, I think it's crazy that we talk about God like, man, God is so good. He's blessed me. He's done this for my life. He's helped me. He's good to me. And then when, it's, when we have an opportunity to worship, we're like this. Like, like, has he been good to you? Because sometimes showing him that he's been good is a little uncomfortable. But he deserves it. This woman walked into a house of religious men. She was a sinner, a well-known sinner. She walks in this house of religious men and basically takes all the attention. She goes and gives Jesus what he deserves because it didn't matter what anybody else thought. It didn't matter how they looked at him, looked at her. She's like, I'm going to give him what I can give him because he deserves that. And when it comes to honoring the presence of God, we can't, God, it's, it's unfair to say, Lord, can you come to our church? And when he shows up, we don't worship him. It's not right for us to say, Lord, can you come? Can you visit us? And then when he comes, we don't give him the honor that he deserves. We don't give him the praise that he deserves. Now, I understand some of us are like, well, I'm a little shy, and I can't sing. And that's okay. That's why we have drums now. They're louder so we can all sing. But that's okay. You don't have to sound perfect, but you've got to worship him. We want to be a church that we welcome the sinner and we welcome the visitor and we welcome everybody. We're accepting of everybody, but we still honor Jesus. We still honor him for who he is and what he's done in our lives. And sometimes that's just opening your mouth. You're never going to let, right? That's not that hard. I sound bad. It's okay. But we honor him because he deserves it. When he shows up to our church, we should be a church that gives him the praise that he deserves. We should give, be a church that gives him the honor that he deserves. But this is the thing, is that to, to host his presence is to, is to live a life of humility. It's to live a life of being open and honest and vulnerable with God. It's to say, Lord, I need you as I am. I need you. I need you. I have to have you. We humble ourselves. Listen, if we humble ourselves, he'll stay. If we humble ourselves, he will stay. I tell, I, when, I'm, when I'm praying, and, and sometimes I have off days where I'm not feeling as spiritual as, as another day. Anybody get those days? And, and I have those days, and sometimes I, I get a little prideful. 
And sometimes I get a little, oh, man, we got a good church. This church is nice. And I quickly, quickly get to the point of, Lord, I don't care about the building. God, I don't care about the numbers. I just need you. Father, this is all because of you. Everything we have is because of you. We humble ourselves to stay. <coughs> if we live a life saying, Lord, we need you, and giving him the glory and the honor that he deserves, he will stay with us. Guys, I don't want to be a flash. I don't want to be a church that just flashes one season and gone the next. I don't want to be a church that, that is stagnant. I don't want to be a church that, that, that we're just a bunch of people and God's not here. I don't want to have that. I don't want that. I want a church where we, we expect him and we host him well. And we humble ourselves saying, Jesus, we need you. We need you because if we humble ourselves, he will stay. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. <clears throat> I think he's humbling me with his cough. <clears throat> it literally came out of nowhere. So. so invitation, we invite him, we host him while expectation. When he shows up, let your expectations go up. When he's here, Believe that he can do what you need him to do. Uh, Ephesians 3.20 verse 21 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God is a God of abundance. He's a God who can give you what you need. He's a God who, if you ask him, he'll give you above what you've asked him. Can I, can I be honest? I'm going to be honest with you a little bit about this building. It's very expensive. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's not cheap. Our last building was cheap. That was like, cool, like we can afford it. We can save a lot of money. Like, this is cool. let's stay here. But we walked into this saying, Lord, you can do abundantly above all that we can ask or think. So the need that we need, he'll meet it. The need that you came in here today with, God can meet that need. God can touch your life. It's about faith and expectation. The story that we read about Jairus and his daughter and the woman with the issue of blood, this is a story of expectation. These people went after Jesus because they said, nothing else has worked. I've tried a lot of other things, but I believe that he has the answer for me. I believe that he can touch me in a way that nothing else could have. He could heal me in a way that nothing else could have. So when we come to Jesus, we come with faith and expectation saying, Lord, if I ask it, you can do it. If I ask you, you will do it for me, God. Anyone can experience a miracle if they have faith. <clears throat> See, Jairus was a man, a well-known man in the synagogue. He was a teacher, and he got a miracle. The woman doesn't even have a name in Scripture, and she got a miracle. Every, anyone who comes to Jesus expecting that he's going to give them what they need, he will give them what they need. It doesn't take a special person to have faith. Let your expectations go up. I bank on this word. You might be like, man, you're crazy. Because if I do it, I'm going to blame you. Uh, okay. That's fine. Because I know he'll do it. I know God works. I've seen him work. I've seen him do it. Because faith gets the attention of heaven. 
faith gets the attention of heaven. Don't just come to church to come to church. Don't just come because you're like, well, it's Sunday morning. They got, they got decent donuts. You know, they're, somewhat, they're, they're, they're fairly fresh, and, and the coffee's pretty good. And so I think I'm going to go. It's a comfortable new building. I'll be a part of it. Don't just come to church to be at a church. Come expecting God to touch your life. Come expecting that God's going to do something in you that you need to be done. Come expecting that he's going to heal your family of cancer. Come expecting that he's going to heal your family of sickness and disease. Come expecting that he's going to heal the hurt inside of your heart, the bitterness inside of your heart, the brokenness inside of your life. Come expecting that God can do it because God can do it. We don't preach this because it's like, well, it's, you know, this is cool to say, and it's really not even that hyped up because I'm the only one yelling here. But, but listen... Come expecting God to move in your life because he can. He can. He can heal your marriage. He can restore your relationships. Don't settle for what is, but believe for what can be. Some of us have just allowed the enemy to defeat us. Well, I've always been like this. I'm always going to be like this. This is never going to change. I guess this is the way it is. I've always been bitter. I've always been angry. I've always been mad. I've always had this hate. I've always had this grudge. I'm just going to live within. This is the way that it is. My marriage has always been broken. It's never felt right. If since day one, it hasn't been what we thought it was going to be. I guess this is just the way that it is. I, I don't feel like God loves me. I don't connect with him anymore. I think he's mad at me. I'm trying to pray and I can't find him. I guess this is just the way that it is. Too many of us are bound by the idea that we're supposed to stay the way that we are. We're not made for that. Believe that God can change. Believe that God can do it. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. What does that mean? We respond to God out of expectation, not out of circumstance. I respond to God by what I believe, not what I see. So I, I respond to God with my giving by what I believe I will have, not by what I see in my account. I respond to God by loving my spouse the way that I believe it's going to be, not the way that I see it now. I respond by honoring my husband, by honoring my wife, by the way I believe it's going to be, not the way that I see it right now. Because if we really believe that God can do it, then we'll live like it's been done. Let me say that again. If we really believe that God can do it, then we will live like it's been done. Can I, can I, I'm going to be honest with you about our financial situation, my wife and I. We don't give according to what we have. We give according to what we believe we will have. That's just the truth. The church, our church, we, we, we give to churches. We've given money. We don't, we're not stepping into this building because of what we have. We're stepping into this building because what we believe we will have. In your life, can I, can I encourage you? Don't live life with, with this idea that you're always going to be this way. Believe that God can help you. Believe that God can help you. I just feel like I need to share this. When, and I, this was not the plan. I don't even know why I'm doing this. I don't even think we'll put this recording up. But I'm going to be very honest and transparent with you. If it sounds like I'm crying, it's not. It's my nose. <laughs> I went through a lot of things as, as a kid um, that I didn't really know affected me as an adult. And um, 
I remember when, my, when I had my kids, I would, I, like, I love my kids, and I would think, like, why don't I feel like I really love them? Like, I don't feel that. I don't feel it. Like, I know that I do, but I don't feel it. Even with my wife, I would always think, like, why do I not feel like I love? Like, I know that I love her, and I, there's those times of emotion, but, but, you know, you hear people talk about the way they love their wife. I'm like, dude, I don't, and there's something wrong with her. It's me. Like, what is wrong with me? Like, I felt numb. Like, I couldn't really love people. Like, I could, like, I did it because I, I did, like, I made a decision to love, but I never felt like it. And I remember I, I well, there was this altar call, and this guy was saying, hey, you know, you've been, church, you've been hurt. I want to pray with you. And, and the Lord was like, hey, you need to go up there. And I'm like, no, I don't because I'm not really hurt by anybody. And I went up there, and the Lord began to speak to me about how I'd been hurt by the church and people in the past that I didn't even remember. And I remember I just broke down just crying and crying because I realized what was wrong with me. It wasn't that I was, I was a man that just didn't show emotion. It was that I was a man that was really hurt by people and situations, and I couldn't love right. I couldn't love people right. I couldn't love my wife right. I couldn't love my kids right. And I remember in that moment, the Lord broke me. And I don't know how spiritual you guys are, but I was out. I was on the floor just crying. And I don't cry because I didn't have any emotion. <laughs> I was like a robot. But I was on the floor crying, and, and the Lord was telling me, this has been the issue. And something that I thought that I'm going to be like this forever, in a moment with God, I was set free. And everything since that moment has changed. Everything, the way I treat my kids, the way that I love my kids changed, the way that I love my wife changed, the way that I talk to people, the way that I think about people, the way that I respond to my kids, even when they frustrate me, changed. Why? Because I touched the hem of his garment. Because I was just in his presence. Everything changed. Can I tell you, when you expect God to do something, he'll do it. You're not going to stay like this forever. You're not meant to stay in bondage forever. You're not meant to stay like that for the rest of your life. You're meant to be free. You're meant to be free. I'm going to say that again. You are meant to be free. God is going to set you free. Some of you, God is going to do it for you. <clears throat> but what I love about this story is it says that the multitude was waiting for Jesus. They were expecting him to come. And so there was this community of expectation. Guys, a community, a community expectation creates space for God to move. If we, all, if we all came together, we're like, we know God's going to show up. I know God's coming today. On Sunday, I know he's going to be there. We all came with that idea. I wonder what God's going to do today. I wonder who he's going to heal today. I wonder who he's going to. If we all came with that mindset, community expectation, it creates space for the Lord to move. To come in and say, Lord, we know that you're moving. God, we, that's when we worship. I'm worshiping you, God, because of what you're going to do today. I haven't seen it yet, but I know you're going to do it. That community creates space for God to move. We see that in Acts and Luke. Um, Luke chapter um, 24, that's when Jesus says, hey, don't do anything. Don't go anywhere until the spirit comes. And then we see it in Acts chapter 2, that uh, uh, the group, the upper room, right, they're waiting, for the, they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. But it was a community of people that says, we're going to wait on God. We're going to believe that he's going to show up. We're going to get together, and we're not going to just do our own thing. We're not going to do the religious thing. We're not going to just do the regular Sunday morning thing. We're going to come together, and I'm going to believe that the Holy Spirit is going to fall on us. And what happened? That's the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit fell, and, and, and everything changed from that moment. But it's because a community had expectation that God would move. I don't know about you, but I won't stop 
until I see him move. I won't stop believing. I won't stop expecting. I won't stop seeking. I won't stop praying because I know, I know that I need him and I know what he can do. So we have invitation, expectation. Last is restoration. David, if you want to come. Actually, babe, could you come up too? That'd be great. So we invite Jesus. When we invite him, we host him well, right? Let's treat him right. We have expectation. We believe that he's going to do something. And when invitation meets expectation, we receive restoration. That's when the Lord comes and he does his work among us. But it comes from just one touch. It's one touch from Jesus in Mark chapter 5, verse 25. This is another version of this story. This is, this is a story again of the woman. It says, she heard reports about Jesus. She heard reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. She just heard. I heard that he healed people. I heard that he set people free. I heard that the paralyzed were walking. I heard that the blind see. I, hear, I heard that the deaf can now hear. I, I heard that the demon possessed were set free. I've heard all these things. I've heard that he can forgive sins. I've, I've heard these things about him. And if I can just touch him, if I can just touch him, then I know that I'll be healed. But it wasn't easy to get to him. He was in the middle of a crowd surrounded by probably thousands of people. She had to push through the crowd with her issues. She had to reach out and grab him. Some of us just have to get beyond our doubt. Some of us have to get beyond our comfort level. It's almost like God wants us to step out of our comfort because outside of your comfort is your healing. Outside of your comfort is your miracle. Outside of your comfort is that life change that you've been waiting for God to do. But we're inside our comfort. We're like, no, Lord, you got to bring it here because that's really uncomfortable. That's not how it works. This woman reached out beyond her doubts, beyond her comfort. She reached out beyond the, the feeling of nothing's, nothing has worked. No doctor can do this. I've spent all my money on this. I've been like this for 12 years. She reached beyond that. She touches his garment. And immediately, she's healed. Some of us got to ignore the voices. We see that when we went into, when Jairus, when, it, when Jesus and Jairus and the mother and, and his disciples walked into the room, it says that people laughed at Jesus because he said that she was sleeping and they all laughed at him like, she's dead. And he sends them all away. Some of us, you need to get away from some of the negative voices in your life. Some of us, you surround yourself with people who are like, you believe that God thing? You believe that? That's crazy. Some of us need to stop surrounding ourselves with people. We need to be around those people because we got to help them. We don't need to be surrounded by them. The voices that say, God can't do it. The voice of the world, some of the voices of your family, some of the voices of your friends, sometimes your own voice and the voice of the enemy. Get those things out of your mind, out of your heart, and listen to the voice of God. Get into the presence of Jesus, and he'll restore you. He'll change your life. He'll change your life. <clears throat> Last thing about this story is, is this woman, 
It's crazy. Jairus is on his way. His daughter's dying. I can't imagine that. Like, that's my biggest fear of my kids dying. Like, that's my biggest fear. His daughter's dying. Just imagine that feeling. Your child is dying or your loved one is dying. And you found the man who can heal them. You finally found him. Like, well, let's go. And you start walking. And then this woman, she comes and she just stops Jesus. It's like, lady, this is a time-sensitive issue. Can you come to Jesus another time? Because we're trying to get to the house before my daughter dies. What happens, Jesus stops and he has this whole conversation with this lady. In the middle of the conversation, they come and say, hey, Jairus, don't even bother. She's already dead. How, how angry would you have been with that woman? How upset would you have been with that lady? Like, my, my, my child is dead because of you. Because you stopped the only one that could heal him. But can I tell you this? That just because somebody receives a miracle before you do, doesn't mean you won't receive your miracle. Just because somebody gets it before you or before you were expecting it, doesn't mean that God still hasn't got, gotten it for you. Don't look at other people's lives in a way to compare yourself so that you can see what you'll never become. But maybe we can look at somebody else's miracle to look at it and say, man, if God did it for them, then he can do it for me. If he healed this woman, I know that he can heal my daughter. If he touched that marriage, I know that he can touch mine. If he, if he healed their kids, I know that he can heal my kids. If he helped their finances, I know that he can help my finances. Just because it's done for someone else doesn't mean God doesn't want to do it for you. Sometimes it just takes a little bit more time. And I almost feel like the longer it takes, the greater the miracle. If he would have got to this late little girl on time, he would have just healed her of her sickness. But because he got to her a little late, he raised her from the dead. Sometimes God is making you wait just to give you a better miracle, to give you something a little bit better. So we invite God to our church, to our homes, to our lives. We expect that he's going to do something. And when invitation meets expectation, we receive restoration. Amen. That's we hope that you enjoyed this message. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX or check us out on our website, ReclaimChurchTX.com. Thank you for listening.